Hello, I'm Charlotte Watts. Welcome to these podcasts that were first broadcast live in my Facebook group, Charlotte Watts Calm. Hope you enjoy them. And if you want more, please look at my website, charlottewattshealth.com. Hello, welcome to this session on negative coping patterns. I want to talk about this issue because it was something that when I first kind of heard this phrase and understood what it meant, it was a beginning of a journey to free me from getting caught up in loops of behaviours that I wasn't necessarily conscious of and to be able to to examine the responses, the reactions I would have to being stressed, to being upset, to being overwhelmed and notice what it was that I was feeling I needed to do at that time to create a kind of a barrier and a numbing and a suppression of the feelings that I was having. So just to kind of unpack that that terminology, negative there obviously implies not positive, so something that is not particularly good. And, and although I don't love dualistic language, it does kind of highlight the fact that when we do get into these types of behaviours, and they tend to be things that can be either addicting or quite excessive, then they have a negative impact because they prevent us from living in the present moment, living our lives in the only time it's actually happening, which is now. And they can become mindless and unconscious quite quickly. And the trouble is that a modern society is very set up to keep us in these loops of coping patterns. And so coping here means something that we will turn to for a feeling of support or a strategy to make us feel better in a moment where feelings might be difficult or overwhelming or that we find just too much. They they flood the system in that time. So often when we talk about negative coping patterns or negative coping behaviours, we're talking about things that would be anything that we could do in excess, which include things like uh, this idea that just because something is good for us or deemed good doesn't mean you can't have too much of it, for instance. And a lot of people will get into quite rigid regimes around health, things they should be doing, and that gets quite brittle. So if they don't do the things they should be doing, there's a lot of guilt or shame or feeling like it's all gone wrong and it's out of control. But often excessive behaviours will be things that will give us a bit of a beta endorphin rush. So a kind of something that will satisfy our reward centres. Because when we go into uh, feelings of unsafe or overwhelm, we're often feeling things that are set a long, long time ago, old patterns that we had that are old responses to them. So if we don't feel safe or we feel threatened or fearful or that we're not in control, then our mind can take us back to old places and we live out what is happening in the now as if it were happening then. Now, if we don't understand that, if we're not processing it, if we're not being very mindful with the feelings and noticing in the present moment that it's, it is okay, we are safe right now, then it can be a very usual knee-jerk reaction to want to just quash that down, to suppress it, um, to not feel it. And like I said, modern life is very set up to not feel. So we have things that are kind of in that 
realm of negative coping patterns, like, for instance, excessive eating or sugar snacking um, that will often lead to overeating or binging. And a lot of this stuff is caught up with desire. So we are a lot of our ancient mechanisms are around the fact that food was very, very hard to get hold of in the wild. And we have to have the motivation to go and get that because calories are hard earned in the wild, you know, to hunt or gather as we would have been doing. It takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of effort, and we need to be motivated to do it. So therefore, we have a big motivation with kind of desire and having reaching for something and bringing it back and having it. Now, in terms of food, often we, we get you know, when we eat something, we'll get a reward, a feeling of, of satisfaction, that it's, it's a lovely thing to eat. But we can follow that on to a little bit further, especially things like sugar, which has a real proper beat of endorphin rush, a kind of rush of happy chemicals to the brain, by getting really caught up and want and desire that reward in and of itself, not because it's hard work to get the food, it just isn't anymore. So we're not even expending that energy to, to get it but we just end up wanting the happy. It's kind of, human society has been built upon um, wanting stuff, the reward when you get it, and making that as convenient as possible, which unfortunately is to our detriment most of the time. So what we also might have craving for in excess are kind of big portions of starchy carbs. So some people, you know, when they're rather than turn to sugar, they might turn to like big bowls of pasta or lots of bread or something that just feels comforting um, in terms of that it fills you up. It makes you feel more full in one way. It has that level of satisfaction. And um, what often happens then is that we get, we release neurotransmitters, serotonin, which again has comfort and reward cycles within it. And it can make us feel, particularly if we, our brain chemistry has been agitated, that we're, we're, we're having a soothe, we're having a, a come down. So again, it's, it's, it's feeding into that self-medication. And often when we go through periods of chronic stress or we grew up in quite a stressful environment, there was, you know, maybe there was attachment, little attachment or lack of attunement or didn't feel fully safe or heard or seen or understood, then there's that um, underlying sense of not safe again that tends us to quite heightened reactions to stress, even if we, you know, that's what we grew up with. So that's that's that sense, sense of normal, even that smallest bits of hypervigilance are quite wearing on the system. And one of the things that they can, can wear down is our natural levels of dopamine. And dopamine is a a mood and motivation neurotransmitter, but it's also a part of our reward center. So it's very, very caught up in cycles of addiction. So we get a shot of dopamine when, as a reward for anything that kind of propagates the species. So, uh, and those are things that we can kind of get a heightened uh, loop and addictive behavior around. So it can be like eating, it can be laughing, music, all the stuff that can be really, really healthy and help to feed and give us the buoyancy of that really lovely natural dopamine levels. But when we, if we don't have enough of them, um, then it's linked to depression, it can link to, to listlessness, poor motivation, and we can crave things that just give us that hit and then get quite you know, addicted to the hit itself. So that can be things like yeah, sex, gambling, 
excessive shopping, TV, anything that just gives us a happy when we, we feel we need that buoyancy. And one of the things that's really caught up in that loop as well is exercise. So naturally, we'll get a dopamine hit from exercise. It's it's important for our well-being. But excessive exercise, that which is is beyond us mindfully listening to our body and even injuring ourselves regularly or not being able to know when we need to recover Recovery is one of the most key facets of exercise, giving ourselves time to rebuild muscle. If we're not listening to that and we're just going for it for the dopamine hit, then in itself, that's an excessive behaviour. And like any of these things, we just need to come back to a really mindful view on that. And this brings me to another really common uh, negative coping pattern in modern society, and this this is the seeking mechanism. And the seeking is part of that hunter-gatherer, that finding stuff, that part of the survival response. So as I said before, we are we have this imperative to seek stuff, to reach for what we desire, and to bring it back to us to have that cycle of completion. I, I have it now, I can relax. And what happens with babies, for instance, is such an important part of our development is that the way babies will learn to sit up. And that's a huge amount of development up through the spine, building muscles and whole structure to be able to lift up from the ground. And the way they do that is to have a desire for something, to get that toy, to get that food, to get to that person who cares for them. So it, you know, from the from the get-go, we have that relationship with desire and reach and get. And if we feel lacking in any way, or if we feel that we need soothing and our self-soothing mechanisms are, are feeling out of reach, then um, one of the things that we can turn to is this seeking. And you see that people will do that within, you know, scrolling through eBay, internet shopping, um, scrolling through social media, just getting more information or more stuff coming in. So that numbs us. And it never leaves us satisfied because we have a culture where we're always waiting for the next thing. That if I had that thing, I had that input, then I would be happy then it would be okay. But we have it, we bring it in and it doesn't quite do the trick. And after a while, it's not new anymore. So it's the, we reach for the next thing. So it's very easy for us to, you know, it's all around us. We're sold to in this way, continually and targeted for what we uh, respond to. So we have to be incredibly mindful and as much as possible stay out of reach of things that are continually pulling back into that seeking. So as with all of these patterns, we can step back and start to get a sense of centre and groundedness and really drop away from numbing ourselves so that when if we feel like we're, we're overwhelmed, we're anxious, things feel like they're rising and they're difficult inside, then we don't immediately reach to damp them, to shut them off. Then actually we start to learn to be with stuff that's a little bit difficult because it's stuff from our unconscious talking to us. And usually it's that stuff from um, you know, long ago um, that's coming up. And actually what we do need to do is rather than quash it when it comes up, otherwise we know that stuff just comes out in explosive ways, is to let it come out bit by bit and be with it and hold it within compassion and allow ourselves to get used to being with the feelings. Not let them all out in one big overwhelm because that's exactly what makes us 
want to shut down again. But what's called in, in trauma language, titration, you just let a little bit out of time, a little bit out, and you give yourself the space to be with that. And yes, sometimes you'll feel the need to, to numb away from it. But the more that you can hold a space in kindness, the more you get used to doing that, the more you can be with any difficult feelings without a sense of judgment, without a sense of good, bad, pleasant, unpleasant, and feel them in terms of tones and flavours and descriptive words rather than judgmental. So things might be hot, sticky, tight, wooden. That gives you more of a chance to be with them. And then that gives you a chance to notice those pulls that you have, that thing, those things that are our own particular patterns. So for me, if I am you know, having a really bad day and I'm exhausted and overwhelmed and I just don't have the resources to do something other, then, you know, my coping mechanisms, my thing to numb myself, to switch it all off, is chocolate TV and maybe a bit of like scrolling through things that I think might I might need. So my a lot of my practice is around watching those habits and working out how I let myself have some. So it's not a kind of um, embargo, knowing thyself. I know that if I'm completely denying myself things, I will uh, want them more. And it's very much a don't press that button situation. So and I enjoy it. They're not terrible things. They're not awful. But it's just when they become in excess and they become a way of living and you can see that they're actually numbing your experience of life then there's a signal to pull back and to start to just re-examine and bring the self-compassion in to give ourselves the space to just let ourselves be human. So that's a um, good bit of information. And I'd love to hear what you feel about that. Um, any stories you might have, you know, the, the particular patterns that you might turn to. We've all got those things. And Within uh, my online membership, Calm Club, we explore loads of themes like this and really help to support all of those resources that we need so that we can move away from those cycles of addiction and coping behaviours that we prefer not to. So um, have a look at that. I'll post the link up and also do have a look. There's lots of resources in terms of blogs and stuff on my website, Charlotte Watts Health. So do get in touch and I'll see you soon. Thank you.